0: Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Shares for beginners. Weekend Watch List. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company, sector, or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how Stockopedia screens for value. Joining me today is Elio Damato, and we're talking technology and Atura Limited, ASX Code, ATA. How's it going, Elio? Yeah, g'day, Phil.
1: And thanks very much for uh, allowing me to share a really interesting little story for those that are you know, trying to find those mini-me's where you can find a stock that possibly could be
0: one of the big ones uh, one day. And uh, there's been someone who's tread that path before. Okay. Let's hear about it. What's, what's the path trodden before and uh, where does it lead us to in the Atura story?
1: Yeah, well, let's start with Atura first. It's a technology company, for those that don't know. It provides end-to-end technology services. They offer a a range of different services in that sphere, including advisory, consulting, business applications, cloud services, that's always a fancy word, uh, data integration, and managed services. So, they've got over 600 clients across Australia, including public and private sectors. Uh, it also includes sectors like defence, government, financial services, education, manufacturing. So the whole gambit, really, there aren't many pies their fingers aren't in. And look, the pleasing thing as well, over the last financial year, they were also able to add another 70 top tier clients. So this is definitely a company on a growth um, trajectory. Now, they partner with a whole bunch of leading technology companies to deliver their solutions. I mentioned Australia, but they also have a presence in New Zealand and Singapore as well. And the immediate question that popped to mind when I first came across ATA was can they be another Technology One? Uh, their code is TNE for those that don't know. Now, obviously, Technology One is a great success story. It's a perfect example of one of those. Uh, Quality compounders that we like to look for, businesses that can reinvest in themselves to grow at more aggressive rates moving forward, and technology ones obviously a strong leader in our field in the technology space. So, well, actually, it's a nice coincidence. Um, Atura actually is the largest independent provider of services supporting technology one. So that's also a nice little segue there. But uh, and they also partner with Microsoft and a, and a few other things. So. Obviously, they're at a much earlier stage of their journey than what Technology One is, but they're starting to take steps which are very similar to what Technology One has. And for those that like to see proven strategies implemented in other
0: businesses in their journey towards growth, then Atura may be one of those. A lot of people, when they think about technology companies. Think of them as being like software as a services company or those that have a product. But um, Atura is basically a consulting company, isn't it? It's for implementing solutions for large data users. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, to a degree. They also do have an in-house development team that obviously helps and assists with integration and the like. But I think it's important to remember that they are providing a wide gambit of services um, and one that we'll talk about in a moment, particularly surrounding a large acquisition that they made, that really does give them the full scope and the like of what they do. So are they small little crews of startups that are trying to come up with the new Uber? No, they're not. They are working with established technologies, very much established businesses, But obviously, a lot of these large companies have something they call technical debt, which uh, as the name implies, is basically old systems which need to be integrated with new and emerging systems and things that allow the businesses to work in better frameworks. You've then got concerns around security, cybersecurity, and the whole wide range of gambits and problems that a lot of these large institutions face. So, Atura is wheeled in to assist um, these government and corporates to uh, be able to, do, to apply and implement all these across their business. They do that either with technology One or with Microsoft uh, one of their partners, or they do do it out on their own. But either way they've got a growing client base, um, they're growing quite uh, aggressively and they are reinvesting a lot of those earnings into their business because they are generating quite a strong um, return on uh, capital at the moment which is fueling this growth and allowing them to explore new opportunities, including managed services that we'll get to in a moment.
0: Yeah, I had a quick look at their annual report just before we came on air, And it seems that they're targeting industries that have high barriers to entry like defense, because obviously if you can crack that, that's very solid revenue with um, a very high barrier to entry for other players to come in.
1: Yeah. And and look, that's a really good point. And that's one of the things that's obviously technology one benefited from its ability to establish long lasting relationships with key partners. Atura wants to do the same. So yes, defense is one of their uh, branches of the division they service. There are others. And you talked about the financial result and look, it was a really good one. I mean, they achieved over 30% growth in uh, all the line items of revenue, earnings before interest and tax, as well as profit after tax and They're growing cash, and to be frank, they're just humming along. And uh, to be fair, though, following its listing at the end of 2021, the company, which was an amalgamation of a bunch of roll ups at that time, it's had a consistent stock rank score at Stockopedia. Now, at the moment, it's 80. So obviously, it's not at the higher upper end, but it is in the top 20%, which means it's definitely not something to be sneezed at. This is um, a good score that the company's been able to achieve. Now, the company ranks very well from a quality perspective. That's really a shining light because all the key metrics like return on capital, margins, cash flow, all of those rank highly. This is often the case for profitable IT companies as they're low capital intensive businesses that are able to generate solid returns on their capital. It has manageable financial risk and there's great cash conversion. So the overall rank of 95 for quality reflects these um, strong elements. And we're very comfortable from, a, from that perspective. Now, value is a bit more of a challenge. Uh, um, it, it's not dirt cheap, but the good news is it's well below larger peers like Technology One and Objective Corporation, another similar business. Now, the fact is that when it comes to these types of businesses, traditional value metrics can be a little lagging. Therefore, a value score of 66 for Atura is actually quite good, um, especially when you look at more established players. Now, momentum at the moment is where it's struggling. Uh, that's, it reach- the,
0: that's the figure I was going to ask about because yeah, uh, <laughs> the, momentum, yeah, the momentum score is quite low, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Look, that's where it's struggling at the moment. After reaching a high of $1. four back in February this year, the stock has really been on a steady uh, slide and it's underperformed the market. Now, a recent sizable downgrade from analysts who cover the stock also hurt the momentum rank because we don't just look at price, we look at analyst revisions as well. But I think it's also important to note that the consensus view on those analysts that do cover it, and I think there's only two because it is such a small business, three months ago, they actually had the stock as a whole. Now, they downgraded EPS, and today, it's actually a buy. (laughs) So there still is something to get excited about, and I feel there are reasons to justify that downgrade, short-term pain for long-term gain. I'll talk about that in a moment.
0: So Elio, what's their outlook look like? Well, look, the bolting on of acquisitions
1: continues to be a resonant theme for Atura. Um, It's been making a number of them in recent times in order to add to their capability set. You can just look at their recent ASX announcements and you'll see quite a bit of those there. Now, the company makes no apology for this. It's pursuing a growth strategy. It says it aims to achieve 20% growth per annum, expecting half of that to come organically and the other half to come from acquisitions. Now, it did mention that the pace of acquisitions will likely slow come the second half of this financial year, where you will then focus more on ensuring full integration of all these bolt-ons and bringing them in under the Atura flag, as it were. Now, most recently, along with Sabrevox and SilverDrop that the company acquired, the biggest acquisition for the company was that of fellow listed Osiris oh, Networks who coincidentally were also a high-quality ranking business with an overall stock rank score of 98 before the acquisition was actually announced. Now, this is a big deal because further to adding geographic reach uh, with Perth and the key ACT marker where a lot of those government contracts sit, this acquisition will actually add to Atura's managed services offering, uh, which will deliver greater multi-year recurring revenue for the business. Now, what we, I actually feel that this will be quite a tailwind for the business. The company does have the intention to start reporting on an annual recurring revenue basis from uh, 2024. So to show you how long I've actually been doing this, I've been doing this, well, I can remember when TNE actually first started doing the same reporting annual recurring revenue. Now, this is a preferred measure for companies with a subscription-based model. So investors tend to prefer annual recurring revenue as a measure because it provides a clear understanding of a company's earning potential, as well as its growth trajectory. It also allows us to compare the performance of different companies in the same industry. So Atura will, to a degree, be elevated within the ranks of some of the more uh, notable players. Now, Sometimes you got to pay up for quality, and I told you that Cyrus was quality, and at a price of acquisition of EVD to EBITDA of around seven, that is a pretty fair price and I think was a key driver for the recent um, downgrade we saw in EPS. The company thinks the acquisition will be single-digit EPS accretive um, in the first year, but nonetheless, they are paying up to play with regards to that. And there's also a bit of dilution because there are some shares being issued to Cyrus shareholders. Therefore, the analyst downgrade in EPS was unsurprising to me, and I feel that the company will be able to navigate that and move beyond that in time. Because, look, let's face it, the long-term believers in Atura will point to the strategic fit of the acquisition, the increased geographical reach, and the synergy benefits. Um, That is, of course, combining the two entities and the cost savings that come with that as reasons to support this bid, Um, and I support it as well. So, Basically, the company's now just got to execute. That's really all it is. Yes, you can pay a little bit more for an acquisition than would otherwise be cheap, but you just got to make it work. And if they can make it work, then that'll
0: uh, net the benefits uh, moving forward. Are you picking shares on gut instinct, buying on press tips or rumours? Do you struggle to find the time to keep up with the research and analysis that goes into evaluating potential stocks? Stockopedia are pleased to offer a special deal to listeners of this podcast, a 14-day free trial and a 10% discount on the first year of membership. Sign up now at y.stockopedia.com sfb there's no better time to access the most comprehensive, easy-to-use investing toolbox for DIY share investors. 10% off, 14-day free trial and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's why slash sfb. I always like looking at the, um, the, the the score in Stockopedia showing where it sits in the market. And this company is 580th out of 1,956 companies on the market. What should investors be thinking about and considering when they're investing in this end of the market? It's a bit different to buying into a large cap, isn't it?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, the a thing you need to remember is that it's not just numbers that you're looking at with companies at this stage of their life cycle you are also looking at aspiration, um, possible achievement. So one of the biggest challenges for many investors is that they're unable to take off their rose-coloured glasses when it comes to looking at businesses. And that's the biggest risk with being in these sort of institutions. Traditionally, those companies that are the largest players that are out there have very wide moats or economic moats. They can keep their competitors at bay. They establish strong, very profitable relationships. These guys are just nipping at the bud. They're trying to get some of that action, as it were, and trying to deliver and find some of that activity, which is why uh, companies like Atura often go through a growth through acquisition strategy, because rather than hoping that they can actually shake the tree and get some of those clients, they acquire those clients through strategic acquisitions. Um, good business fits that can be easily integrated into your overall company, but obviously, um, give them a uh, wider revenue base. And then once that's established, they then look to build and grow on that through providing additional services. They might provide one service initially, but then through their good relationship and successful execution, they can then broaden it out. So investors need to accept and realize that, yes, there is an element of more risk when you start moving down further, you know, down that value chain, let's call it that, or, or market cap chain, when it comes to identifying these opportunities. But what you're paying for is for possibility, should the company actually be able to execute. Because of course, once you're already top of the tree, where else can you go? You're already there. You just have to wait for the tree to keep growing, to go up a little bit more, as opposed to someone who starts at the bottom and then looks to make their way up. Well, obviously there's quite significant gains that uh, can be made there. So taking that extra risk is justified by the fact of increased potential return. Um, And yes, whilst you might miss out, the way maths works, particularly in the share market, is that your potential gains are uncapped. Um, So if you're in the story long enough, and if it keeps growing, keeps reinvesting in itself because it's generating good return on equity, and it keeps uh, establishing that business, then you'll find that uh, you can get on the back of a possible long runner, which uh, yeah will take you to the uh, marathon finishing line.
0: So are there any any other risks specific to this particular company?
1: Oh, look, all companies carry risk, uh, Phil, so we need to be uh, very cognizant of those. And other than the general caveats, of course, of broader economic activity and the government deciding it doesn't want to spend any more money or companies doing the same, the risks for Atura are, one, that they have quite a tight registry. Now, the chairman, uh, Shan Kanji, he owns a significant stake in the business, so around 50%. Now, um, Stephen Cowell, the uh, CEO, he owns around 3% and he's a very strong advocate for the business and uh, he's doing his very best to get the uh, word of Atura out there. The other thing I find pretty interesting is that there's no major investment houses on the book. So this could be a future tailwind, not only a risk. So you know, when I, what I mean here by this is that there's no major fund manager, as it were, that's taken a position in the company, um, You know, like a, a well reputed, I'll just put those inverted commas, of course, but this could be a tailwind because if they continue to execute, they may very well want in, right? And if they want in, then that will likely mean that Mr. Kanji will have to sell down some of his holding. Um, I do note though that a small high conviction fund took a 5% ownership in the company on the 1st of June. So look, the good news is the more eyes on it, the better. And also, yes, a significant amount of the registry is by uh, people that uh, they acquired. So they acquired businesses and they offered shares um, as compensation. So obviously, what their motivation is in in time um, will govern a lot of that um, price movement. And this is going to be important because another major risk is liquidity. Um, So at the moment, it should be noted that liquidity is an issue uh, with so much held by one person. As a result, investors need to be wary of taking too heavy a position in the stock that trades on average a little bit under $50,000 per day. Looking through a positive lens, though, Atura is much closer to the start of its corporate journey than the end. So therefore, if it continues to meet its objectives and still grow, um, if we can get those major shareholders um, allowing more of that uh, shares to be available on market, then this dynamic uh, will no doubt change. But for those wanting a position right now, that means, uh, yes, it's going to be a little harder to get in, and you sort of hope that the stock melts up as the company performs quite well. Um, the last risk, just quickly, um, look, acquisition risk. I mean, history is littered with examples of companies who have made acquisitions that have gone bad, uh, um, uh, You know, or you get other ones where acquisitive companies, basically, they just go one step too far. So Atura is going to need to prove in upcoming reports that it's not a Eucarious uh, flying too close to the sun, that they're going to uh, really need to show that they can bid those acquisitions down and they are really making significant contributions
0: to the overall business. Anything else you wanted to add, El- Elio? Yeah, look, I mean, I started the recording
1: by saying, you know, whether Atura could be another t um, And look, while it's some way off from becoming a $5 billion behemoth. At this early stage, it seems to be making all the right steps. It's acquiring strategic uh, capabilities. It's embedding themselves into processes that services some very big names, uh, which includes T&E itself, of course. However, such tightly held equities in the IT space, they can be often left unfulfilled. Some investors see companies as personal playthings. And I point to uh, um, an old company by the name of DWS, uh, young Danny was CEO there. That was often um, shunned by many investors because ultimately, you know, it was seen as just a a vehicle for paying dividends and not much else. And ultimately, that was acquired in 2020 and taken off the market. But that's not the case necessarily with Atura. If the company does continue to perform, the market will eventually notice it. And for those looking for a way to play the space without paying nosebleed uh, valuations, then, yeah, sure, it's a little less liquidity, but ATA is a possible candidate heading in the right direction. Helio Damato, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Thanks very much, Phil.
0: Thanks for listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future.